This is Alive with Joseph. So this morning, we're looking at a title I called, So You Want to Quit? So You Want to Quit? Most husbands and wives have hit a place where they feel like, I think I married the wrong person. I don't love you anymore. Or my love is finished. <laughs> or we have differences that cannot be reconciled or the way we, they put it, irreconcilable differences. And I often ask myself, you know, how did people who started a relationship so excitedly got to the place where they do not want to see eye to eye with each other again. Statistics have shown that the divorce court is like a war zone. That if you want to know what a war zone is like, go to a divorce court and you will experience the true meaning of a war zone. But I feel that the reason is simply because life is in stages and seasons. And all marriages will go through those stages will go through those seasons and if couples ignore those stages and seasons then they will arrive at a place where they want to quit or they completely quit now do not try to build your marriage based on the image of the society but your marriage should be on the image of the word of god so that you can draw help from the holy spirit to enable you transform you into the image that god has designed for marriage when you study the book of John chapter 2 verse 1 to 2, the Bible said on the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and Jesus was also invited and him and his disciples to the marriage. If you notice very well then, Jesus at this point had not done any miracle. And the first place he shows up to do his first miracle of his ministry was in a marriage ceremony. Why? Because he was simply telling you and I that he prioritizes the marriage. He places value on marriage. Verse 3 to 11 now continues to read. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it, when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not hence it was, but the servant which, would, would, which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said, you've changed the order. You've changed how society orders marriage. You've changed it. This is actually not how marriage should be. Marriage should be, the sweet wine must be served first. When people are drunk, you can now serve the tasteless wine but you have changed the order you've served us the tasteless wine now at the end of the occasion you're serving us the sweet wine that sounds like our society whereby the sweet wine is always served on the marriage day on the wedding ceremony the sweet wine the expensive marriage 
is it wedding gown wedding gown the expensive amani suits the expensive wedding venues the ring that is as heavy as a baby on the fingers of the woman the expensive hairdo the expensive makeup artist you know all kinds of things so expensive that you tend to ask yourself what is even the budget of this marriage what is the budget of this wedding the flowers you know the the cake is as long as my height you the expensive everything and it is served on the wedding day but after the wedding day, actually some marriages crash the night after the wedding day why because sweet wine is served at the beginning then at the end the tasteless wine comes up so here the man said you've changed the order why did you do that why did you do that because every man at the beginning does set forth good wine and when men have well drunk then that which is worse is brought forth but thou hast kept the good wine until now this beginning of miracles lead jesus in canaan of galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed him i've come to understand that marriage is all about serving each other is all about meeting each other's needs that is you cannot meet your own needs if you could have been able to meet your own needs there will not have been any need for you to be married you are at the mercy of your spouse to meet your needs why because of the fidelity you have sworn to each other the greatest marriage on the planet earth is two servants who are in love and are willing to serve each other i repeat the greatest marriage on the planet earth is when two servants come together they are in love and they are willing to serve each other james clayton dobson is an amazing man of god who teaches so much on family he's also an author he has authored so many books if you find this book read it so much on family listen to what he said he said marriage succeeds only as lifetime commitment with no escape clauses it's a marriage will only succeed when people make a lifetime commitment when they have not made room for escape clauses and our generation keep having escape clauses for marriages and because we keep having escape clauses we will never get to the place where we see two servants who are in love serving each other also understand friends that marriage is about sharing it's about growing together doing life together and any marriage or any time any marriage lacks sharing that marriage is already heading the wrong direction why because when a marriage lacks sharing when a marriage lacks seven then the marriage is already on a dangerous path that marriage is already on a destructive path and you must understand that that is not god's mind for us in the garden of eden the bible talked about adam and his wife called eve that the bible said in genesis chapter 2 that they were both naked and were not ashamed they were both naked and were not ashamed what does that mean listen friends god has created marriage to be the most intimate relationship on the planet earth an intimacy is only possible when there is unhindered access where there is unhindered access intimacy is possible and the bible says 
in Genesis chapter 2 that they were both naked and not ashamed. So you must understand that when couples understand that marriages goes through various seasons, various stages, it helps them to be able to manage their relationships better and they are able to navigate the different seasons of marriage and not quit. Let's take a vehicle for example. Let's take the Toyota for example. Let's say I own a brand of car. I own Toyota and I own Toyota Corolla. Now, you discover very well every time you buy a car, no matter how new or even if it's used car, they tell you it has a service plan. Now, the manufacturer tells you after X number of kilometers, bring the car in so that we can service the car. If you do not bring it in, sometimes in some, in, in some manufa- with some manufacturers, you void the warranty or whatever you, they call it or so, you know. Now, they don't want to know whether you forget or not. It's not their business. You must bring it in. Now, they say, okay, let's say, for example, Toyota Corolla, I own one, 20,000 kilometers, I must bring it in. Sometimes they say you have a service plan of 150,000 kilometers or five years. Whichever one comes first or whenever you bring it, you keep servicing it until that time. Some manufacturers will tell you, even if your car does not get to 20,000 kilometers, if it completes one full calendar year, you must bring it in for service. Now, that is a stage. The car looks new. The car is still new. Even when you drive it sometimes and you hit the 20,000 kilometers when using that as, as, as a case study and you will discover that you're not even feeling anything. The car is not, the car is still fine. But the manufacturer's advice is after 20,000 kilometers, bring it in. No matter how it feels because we are not dealing with our products based on feelings. Are you understanding me now? Our product is not working based on feelings. It's still feeling good. Yes, we know. But bring it in. We know our products. We know what we have put in our products. So, if you ignore the manufacturer's instructions, after a while, the car breaks down without any form of warning. And that is what has happened to many marriages. They have been running the marriage without considering the service advice given by the manufacturer and the marriage breaks down without warning why service advice has been ignored what is the manufacturer service advice genesis chapter 2 25 let's see the service advice it says and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed that is the nakedness adam and his wife had they were in the following level. They were naked in these three levels. Number one, spirit. They were naked in the soul. They were naked in the body. Which deals with all aspects of human existence. They were able to completely open up their minds, open up their emotions, open up their hearts, their spirits, and their bodies to each other without them feeling ashamed or having a fear of being judged. And this nakedness gave birth to intimacy. It gave birth to intimacy. Please understand, listen very carefully, friends. Understand that if you and your spouse are not naked and not be ashamed, you cannot achieve intimacy. 
You cannot achieve intimacy. Intimacy, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy now. I'm talking about genuine intimacy that goes beyond sex. And if you are not naked and not ashamed, you cannot achieve intimacy. Listen, friends, intimacy is not possible in an environment where there is no nakedness. Intimacy is not possible in an environment that is judgmental. So couples can successfully have a great time in their marriage if they will heed to the manufacturer's advice. If they will listen to the manufacturer's advice. What is the advice? Naked and not ashamed. Let's give Jesus our highest praise this morning. And when couples are naked and not ashamed, they give birth to intimacy. Listen, friends, I believe in good marriage. I believe that couple can achieve a great marriage. I believe that two imperfect people can arrive at a great marriage. Listen, a great marriage is not the absence of disagreement or difference in opinion. That's not what a great marriage is. I believe that in spite of our differences, in spite of our disagreements, we can have a great marriage. I've had a great marriage now. Next week, Sunday, will be 17 years in marriage. 17 years in marriage. 17 years in marriage. And we're not going anywhere. I told that your plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, plan... Until Jesus comes. Then I, I have no option. I have no any other option. I have no option. 17 years. And I believe that you can have a great marriage. You can have a great marriage. It's not an absence of disagreement. It's not an absence of difference in opinion. But it is... Two people who have made up their mind to willingly make it work despite the challenges they may encounter. Understand also that disagreement is normal in a relationship. I and Cordelia disagree, but we do not have to fight each other, kill each other about it. Actually, I've come to love her more now than when we first met. Because the more I've been with her, the more I've learned her, the more I've come to know her. And the more I know her, the more I'm able to honor her, the more I'm able to respect her, the more I'm able to appreciate her like a queen. Why? Because there are things she likes that I don't like. There are things I like she doesn't like. And that is the truth. For example, I like the air condition on and she doesn't like it. I know how that causes you know, tension. When she walks into the room, the air conditioner has to go off. And sometimes I endure. Then when she sleeps off, I switch it on. Then when she wakes up, she's fighting me. So you see, there are things she likes, there are things I don't like. There are things I like, she doesn't like. Now, we do not have to kill each other. We do not have to fight. It is normal. There must be disagreement. Couples will have disagreement. They will have difference in opinion. It does not make the marriage, you know, it does not mean that the marriage is not a great marriage. A great marriage is not the absence of disagreement and difference in opinion. So disagreements are normal. Couples can have disagreement. But listen, friends, it is how they handle it that will determine if it becomes a compromise or a conflict. How couples handle disagreements will determine if it becomes a compromise or a conflict. Disagreements are normal, I repeat, between couples. 
Why? Because you are two different people coming from two different upbringings and your world view of life is completely different. And so that definitely makes it disagreement is possible. Even twin also have disagreement who came out at the same time from the same mother's womb. How much more two different people who came together, you know, who have lived their life separately for so many years. But it is how you both react to the disagreement that will determine what happens to the marriage. When couples can no longer achieve nakedness and not be ashamed with each other, the environment becomes toxic. And you can only be intimate in an environment that is created to avoid anger. When you look back at how you got involved, or those who are married now, for how you got involved with your spouse, you did that in an environment that was not dangerous, isn't it? Actually, you know, you'll discover that, you know, when you got involved with your spouse, it was a safe environment. What do I mean by that? You were prudent with your words. You, 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 you were mindful of her feelings. You knew what she wanted. You were careful to observe what she want. Even some of you, you pulled a chair and she sat down. You bought those flowers. You were mindful. You were mindful. You were, you were prudent. You were, you were attentive. That was what created a safe environment for your husband, your wife, or both of you to be able to open up. If that environment was dangerous, there would not have been any form of anybody opening up. But I've come to understand that when people get into marriage, they start becoming careless. They start saying hurtful things, start becoming exactly the opposite of who they were before they married that person. When you create a toxic environment, your spouse will no longer be confident to share things with you that they know you will use against them. They will no longer be confident. There are many relationships like that where spouses have lost confidence in their, in, in, on each other because when a spouse shares one thing with their partner, they use it against them. Now, when you keep doing that, you are creating an, a dangerous environment. You're creating an environment whereby your spouse will not be open. They will not be, they will, you will not achieve naked and not ashamed. You will not be able to achieve that. Your spouse cannot share their feelings with you because they now feel unsafe around you. Your spouse, when you create such environment, your spouse will not be able to open up and be intimate with you. Because when they begin to view you as their enemy, it becomes difficult for them to open up to you. When they begin to see you as someone who will hurt them when they open up to you. And you need to understand that when you do not address this, you create tension and you create limitations around your relationship. Understand that in every great marriage, there are disagreements and misunderstandings. A great marriage is not a marriage that you never disagree. No way. That's not a great marriage. Every great marriage has disagreements, have, have misunderstandings. And listen to these friends. If you are in a marriage and you never disagree, it simply means someone is dominating the relationship. 
That is what it simply means. If you are in a marriage, you never get to disagree. Your spouse never get to disagree with you because they are afraid. On your response, it simply means that marriage is a toxic marriage. It simply means there's crisis in that marriage. Understand that the lack of disagreement in a marriage doesn't mean that everything is fine. Lack of disagreement might simply mean that one party has been compromising. And the danger with that is the day the party that has been compromising gets fed up. Everything explodes. And they begin to, they quit the marriage. And people, you begin to hear, but we didn't see it coming. Have you ever heard such, you see couples sleeping and say, but they didn't see, we didn't see it coming. Yeah, not, not that it was not there. It's just that they were blind towards what was happening. Disagreement in marriage doesn't mean that one party has to talk down on the order. On you insult and threaten and do all kinds of things and talk to them, make them feel less than who they are. Couples have to be able to process disagreement without damaging each other. I repeat, couples should be able to process disagreements without damaging each other. We should be able to process disagreement without damaging each other. And this is where it has been difficult for most married couples. Most married couples have no role models as well to, on how to resolve disagreements. They have no role models. Probably they came from a family where the mother was the only person available to raise them. Or they came from a family, even the father was not present, or the father was, for example, I came from a family where it was a patriarchal, you know, system. It, you know, I came from a very, a serious patriarchal system. Number one, in West Africa, we're highly patriarchal. Number two, I came from the Igbo tribe where they're highly, highly, in fact, women are treated as, as properties. So I came from, I never saw my dad sit with my mom and, and, and resolve this. In fact, there was never disagreement because my mom only takes instructions from my dad. My mom only gets to know what has been concluded when it has been concluded. For example, my dad can meet with the 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 the, 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 the brothers and the sisters when they are finished deciding it. Let's say they want to remove this air condition. They have met and they have decided they will remove the air condition. My dad just enters there and says, you know, we are removing that air condition. And she, she just moves on. There was never anything like, you know, let's, so most people have no role models on how to deal with disagreements. They never saw their parents deal with disagreements. And as a result, people do not have skill in dealing with disagreement. And when they get into the, into the marriage system, the thing continues on and on and on. So in, in, you must understand that couples have, have a responsibility to be able to deal with disagreements and not damage each other. In marriage, you are allowed to be angry. You are allowed to be angry, but make sure in your anger, you do not sin. Let's look at what brother Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, he said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. He said, don't deny your anger because there is nothing wrong in, with being angry. But do not sin. Even Jesus got angry 
The Bible recorded and he went into the temple and cleared all the money changers and the turtle dove sellers in the temple. Anger is a normal emotions, emotion that humans experience. Understand that you never become so spiritual that you never get angry. And no matter your level of spirituality or spiritual maturity and emotional intelligence, you are going to get angry at some point. Suppressed anger is dangerous and it can be very disastrous. Learn how to deal with your anger. Don't feel guilty about your anger. I'm not saying that anger is necessarily right, but when it comes, learn how to deal with it. Learn how to deal with it. People can be angry and they do not have the skill to deal with the anger. They become destructive. The reason why we have too many destructive people all over the place is because they do not have the skill to deal with anger. And that is why staying in Christ is very necessary. Because friends, when you are in Christ, the Holy Ghost helps you to manage your emotions. People can be angry because of the following reasons. Number one, someone can be angry because they were violated. Someone genuinely violated you. That can create anger. That can create anger. Pastor Kodi was sharing with me yesterday, you know, um, in, in the program for diaries when the ladies were sharing how most of them were violated. Now, that can create anger. Because they were genuinely violated. And yes, it can create anger. Number two, you can also be angry because of ignorance. Ignorance creates anger. In the early ages of, stages of our marriage, most of my anger was based on ignorance was based on ignorance because I didn't understand how a woman functioned and Cordelia was perfectly a normal woman. Nothing wrong with her. But because of lack of ignorance, I became angry. But the more I began to deal with knowing, began to deal with ignorance, I began to love her better because why? The more you know, the more you are able to deal with anger. Ignorance creates anger. Number three, people are angry because of immaturity. Number four, unrealistic expectations produces anger. Number five, when you are stressed, it produces anger. Number six, fear causes anger. When you feel you have lost control, anytime you feel you're no longer in control, it produces anger. It produces anger. You need to be careful. You cannot be in control of everything. You cannot be in control. You need to, sometimes you need to lose control. You need to lose control sometimes so that God can carry you himself. You cannot be in control all the time. So when people fear, causes anger. And the reason for fear is when someone feels that they are no longer in control. Anxiety causes anger. And Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request be known unto him. Number eight, competitive jealousy causes anger. When you begin to compete with your spouse, you will have anger. You will have anger. My spouse is not in any way in any competition with me. No, no, no. I'm not in competition with Cordelia. She's not in competition with me. Actually, I want her to do far better than me. Because why? The glory of a, of a man is in his wife. <laughs> if you want to see how rich a man is, check his wife out. If you want to see how broke a man is, he can wear gold. It's his business. Just check his wife out. So the glory of a man is his wife. Are you understanding me? That's the glory of a man, his wife, his children. So I'm not saying anger is right, but what I'm simply saying to you, you and I is, 
Your anger is real and you should be able to process it without causing conflicts in your marriage. Anger can be a positive and useful emotion if it is expressed appropriately. Well-managed anger can be a useful emotion that moves you, that motivates you to positive changes. On the other hand as well, anger can become a powerful emotion if you do not handle it appropriately. It causes destruction. It causes all kinds of chaos. It causes not just destruction to you and also it destroys people around you. Uncontrolled anger in marriage, in relationship can lead to arguments unnecessarily, physical fights, physical abuse, assaults and self-harm. Listen to what science says about anger. Let me tell you what science says about anger. Science says that unresolved anger can cause health problems. Science says, anger triggers the body's fight or flight response. Other emotions that trigger this response including, include fear, excitement, and anxiety. The adrenaline glands flood the blood with stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. The brain shunts blood away from the gut and towards the muscles in preparation for physical exhaustion heart rate blood pressure and respiration increase haven't you seen when someone is angry they are just you know they look like a dog that has run 10 kilometers cool down tell your neighbor cool down (laughs) amen the body temperature rises you do not have corona. It's anger. <laughs> the skin perspires. The constant flood of stress chemicals associated with metabolic changes that go with that it causes constant flood of stress chemical that is associated with metabolic changes. Stress chemicals. And that is what happens when you have unmanaged anger and it can eventually cause harm to different parts of your body and different systems of your body. Let me give you some of the short and long-term health problems. The reason I'm sharing this so that you can see also, then as much as you're getting angry, you're also killing yourself physically. You're killing yourself. You need to be careful. You're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. Some of the short and long health problems that have been linked to unmanaged anger includes headache, digestion problems such as abdominal pain, insomnia, Increase anxiety, depression, high blood pressure. Could it be your high blood pressure is anger? Skin problems, you've used all kinds of skin things and nothing is changing on the skin. Could it be your eczema is as a result of anger? Heart attack, stroke. Those are some of the you know, challenges with, that people who get angry have on their health. So a dysfunctional marriage is a marriage where it's a marriage where emotions are not allowed to come out. In a dysfunctional marriage or relationship, you can't be real. You can't express emotion. You can't voice out how you feel. And we do not want to find our marriages, our relationships in such state where, you know, the, your partner cannot voice how they feel. They are afraid of you. <laughs> they just are afraid of you. I've seen women whose husbands are afraid of them. So don't, I'm not talking, when I'm talking, I'm not talking about men now. I'm talking, women whose husband, you know, the woman is a lioness in the house. When the husband remembers her, ah, she go, he goes to Shebin and sits. 
She's she just crazy all over the place. Man. Have you watched um, Madia's movie? There's this woman, one tall woman like this. I don't have forgotten her name. I don't know. But one tall woman, she's crazy. The husband's name was Marcos. That woman is cra- Marcos, 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 Marcos. There are women like that. There are women like that. So the man stays away and he comes back late in the night and sneaks in. Because we do not talk those areas that there are crazy women out there who have made the life of their husbands a misery. So you need to be careful. A dysfunctional marriage is where you cannot express your emotion. You cannot voice out how you feel. In a functional marriage or relationship, you talk. You express your feelings. You acknowledge you are hurt when you are hurt. You acknowledge it. You do not suppress it. When you have an argument with your spouse, it is easy to stay angry. It is easy to be upset with your partner. But friends, if you don't resolve an argument with your partner that you are seeing very often, it can become a very uncomfortable experience. Talking to the partner about your disagreement may or may not help, but you need to talk anyway. If you do approach them, make sure you approach them that your approach is in a helpful way. Stay calm, communicate openly and honestly. When you bottle up anger, it doesn't make the anger go away. Rather, it causes all kinds of issues. Understand that developing an atmosphere of honesty in your home and marriage is very vital. Very, very vital. And the reason why many people struggle to be honest with their partners is because the other person make them pay a price for being honest. Do you make your, your partner, your wife, your husband pay a price for being honest? Do you make them pay a price for being honest? Do you make them pay a price that when they are honest, you make them pay for it? And it doesn't mean that you will agree with them. But you, you, you have to create a honest atmosphere where they can be honest and not expect to pay a price for being honest. Where they can be honest with you, tell you the truth and not expect you to use it against them tomorrow. That is how you always behave. You know, in 1922, that was the same thing you did. In 1948, you did the same thing. In 1920, you did. Now you have done it. No, 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 no. If you do that, I will not be honest with you. Because you make them pay a price. You make them pay a price. So you cannot create such an atmosphere. You cannot create such an atmosphere. And I believe, friends, every marriage should have a customer relationship department. Come on, say customer relationship department. We all know what customer relationship department is. Is that place where whatever you have bought, you return it back and tell them, I do not need it again. Can you please, you know, exchange it for me? Or oh, I want my money back. I changed my mind. I want my money back. Now, let's take Woolworth for example, because theirs is very open. You know, you, it's, it's, it's something I've used a couple of times. Now, when you buy things from them, when you go to return the goods you've bought from them, I have never seen those ladies or the guys in the customer relationship department harass you. I have never. 
maybe it has happened to you, but it has never happened to me. They receive the goods back. They ask you, you know, sometimes they don't even ask you. You just say, I don't want it again. They ask for the label, you, um, the, the tag, you give it to them. Even when it's not attached to the clothes, they don't mind. You just give them the tag and, you know, they check and they put it back and they ask you, how do you want your money? Should we, you know, sometimes they give you cash. Sometimes they transfer into your account. Sometimes you say, no, I still want to buy some things. They get a card and they put the money in the card and they give it to you. They never harass you. They never harass you. They never harass you. They never, they never make you feel less important for bringing the thing back. You know, I bought a, 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 a pair of running shoes two weeks ago. And when the shoe arrived, it was not my my size it was smaller and i had to send it back so i went online i bought it online went online wrote to adidas that no the, the shoe i bought is not my size they said no we're sending the courier people to collect it they came back they picked it up from the church here and they took it back now they gave me my money back they they on 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 credit they credited me back so when i wanted to buy another pair that suits my that is my exact size i mistakenly clicked i didn't use the code given to me to redeem my money back i clicked and they went and debited my account again i felt you know everything in me just like ha ah, what is this so when i phoned them you know Honestly speaking, whatever they were going to tell me, I was ready. And my heart was open. Because I knew I acted foolishly. Now, when I spoke to the lady behind in the phone, she said, no, that's fine. Give me, let's, let me check your account. When she saw my, she said, no, give me your account number. I will send the money back to you. Just like that. She said, don't worry, you'll get it in the next 24 hours. And honestly speaking, within 24 hours, I got my money back. Customer relationship. She didn't tell me, you're a foolish boy. How can you? How, as old as you are, with all your age and your white hair, you didn't know how to use a, a, you know, she didn't go on on and on and on and on and on and on no she you know she said no it's fine mr wokocha it's fine don't worry you'll get your money back in 24 hours i said i'm really sorry he said no you know don't be sorry you know and she continued listen friends every marriage must have customer relationship counter you must have customer relationship department you must you don't talk down on your partner for them messing up you go out of your way to resolve any issue you may have with the goods the same way those in the customer relationship department go out of their way to resolve whatever issue you may have you must have that in your family that listen friends when your partner tells you i do not like this you must find a way to resolve it you do not make excuses for repeating the same thing your partner has brought to your attention you don't tell them well you must grow up you must man up you must no 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 don't do that do not do that when your partner tells you i do let's use the shirt for example i do not like how you use the shirt to hit me don't do that again you say no grow up i'm just playing grow up and you do it again that shows it shows that your customer relationship is zero because I'm bringing to your attention something I do not like how you are treating me with. And you repeat it again and again. And you're telling me to go. No, I refuse to grow up. You stop it. You stop it. You stop it. Don't do that. So we must have that in our relationship. 
Your spouse will be able to come to you and tell you what they don't like and you go out of your way to fix it without you judging them or harassing them or intimidating them or making them feel less of themselves. Anger should be able to, it should be allowed to be legal in your family, but don't use anger to justify sin. According to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. One thing I've come to discover as I close this morning, one thing I've come to discover is every marriage falls into one of these four categories. Every marriage on the planet earth falls into one of these four categories. Number one, the people in a marriage that knows what to do and they have the will and willingness to do, to want to do it. There are marriages in this category. People in the marriage know what to do and the, the, the partners have a will and willingness to want to do it. They know what their partner wants and what they should be doing in marriage and they are constantly putting in the effort to want to do their part in the marriage. Number two, the people in marriage that don't know what to do and they are not willing to do anything. These kind of people know what their wife wants, what their husband wants. And they honestly don't care. They know, but they, are, they don't want to do it. They don't care. They are not willing to please their partner. Partner, And you must understand, actually, I've come to this kind of day, these kind of people keep doing the opposite. They do exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. Number three, the people who know what their partner wants, but they don't want to do it. They have the knowledge of what, they, what should be done, but because they are angry, they are upset as a result, they are not willing to do it. The second one is people in marriage that know what to do and they are not willing to do it. This one now, they know what their partner wants and they don't want to do it. Those ones are not willing to do it. These ones are angry and because they are angry, they don't want to do it. So they feel that me not doing it, I'm punishing my partner for not doing it. Number four, they want to do, but they don't know what to do. So they are constantly doing the wrong thing. Now this group of people have a lack of knowledge problem because they have the willingness, but they don't know what to do. They have zeal without knowledge. Now can I ask you this morning, what category is your marriage or relationship at? And what are you going to do about it? Where have you found yourself? Where are you? At what level are you? Are you in a place where you're, you are not so upset and so angry with your partner that even though you know what to do, you're refusing to do it because you feel that you're punishing them. Are you the type that you have zeal without knowledge? You constantly do the wrong thing. You constantly do the wrong thing. And you should be learning so that you do the right thing so that your willingness will accompany doing the right thing. Or are you the type that, you know, you, you, you just don't care. You just don't care. You have no willingness you're not willing to please your partner. You're doing opposite of what you should be doing. Or are you in the first category? And if you're in the first category, you need to continue to do it. Don't drop the ball. Continue doing it. Continue doing it. Continue doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because you're becoming a role model to the next generation. Now, I'm going to give everybody here an assignment, particularly the married couple. I'm going to give you an assignment for this week. The first assignment is, I want you and your husband or your wife to pray together every day for the next seven days. And if you're single parents, please, um, you can pray together with your children. But pastor, my husband doesn't come to church. I didn't say if he comes to church or not. 
And if you're in a relationship that is leading to marriage plan, in a courtship, you must pray together with your spouse. Come to church, not in your bedroom. You must come to church and pray together. Because no successful prayer happens in the bedroom. So you must come to church and pray together. But there must be prayer for the next seven days. Every, listen, your husband doesn't believe. He goes to sleep, just kneel next to the bed and start praying. Start praying. As you're praying, put your hand on his legs and be praying, Jesus. Listen, because you are praying, he won't remove your hand. <laughs> He won't. He won't. I tell you, he won't remove your. He won't remove your. I, if listen, try it and see. He won't remove your hand. He won't. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> okay. Number two assignment: practice adding kindness to your fault finding statements this week. Practice adding kindness to your fault finding statements this week. Even you're not married. Do the same as well to people around you. Add maybe your staffs or everybody around you. Add some kindness to your fault-finding statements this week. For example, for those who are married, for example, instead of you saying, why didn't you call me to let me know you will be home late? Didn't you realize I'll be worried? Rather say, I got so worried when you didn't get home early. Please, could you call to let me know you are going to be late next time? So add some kindness to your fault-finding statement. Number three, Avoid broad negative statements that exaggerate the seriousness of a situation and totally undermine your spouse's effort. That is, practice making constructive statements and ensure that your tone of voice and facial expression support your agenda. Your tone of voice and your facial expression must support your agenda. The last one, and we pray and go home, is assess your motive. In assessing your motive, two categories. In assessing your motive, number one, do you act out of genuine concern in assessing your motive? Or, number two, are your words and actions designed to hurt and belittle your spouse? Do you act out of genuine concern towards your spouse? Or do you deliberately structure words and you carry out actions that hurt your spouse and belittle them. And if you find yourself in the second one where you constructively, you carefully do that, you, you make sure that your words are, they hurt your staff and your, 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 your spouse and, they, and belittle them, then this is what you must do. You must repent, you must apologize to them, and you must make amends. What do I mean by making amends? You need to stop doing it. You need to stop doing it. You need to apologize. You need to repent before God. There must be a restitution. The restitution, you go to your spouse and apologize and, you know, tell them and tell them, listen, I deliberately make sure my words hurt you. You have a responsibility to bless your spouse. But pastor, you know, the thing he did to me, I don't want to know what he did to you. Just let it go. If God is to hold you accountable for what you do to God every day. What, what do you do to God every day? If God is to hold you accountable, I tell you, <laughs> you will have a reserve, reservation in hell. 
you will have presidential suite in hellfire. But God overlooked all of those things. Why we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. So I don't want to know what he did to you. know, pastor, you know, the other that says you, you should buy bread and he refused to buy bread. He bought bagunya and I don't like magunya and he knows I don't like magunya. Why must he buy my... Listen, get over it. Amen? Get over it. He was supposed to wash, she was supposed to wash my shirt. She didn't wash my shirt and, and now I had no shirt to wear. Pick it and wash it. You have hands. Listen, listen, there are things that I will even ask my kids to do, I see that they are delaying. I do it myself. I want to, I, I just want to enjoy my life. It's more easier to do it yourself than to be fighting the person to do it. So let's do that. Amen. Were you blessed this morning? Let's rise on our feet as we go home. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Mogocha. Till next time, God.